what I realized is that fear was the one thing that could actually keep me from achieving my dreams. So I wrote a whole essay about how my entire life has been, like I've been holding myself back because I was too afraid to be afraid, to feel the fear, right? It's called phobophobia. <laughs> Being afraid of, you know, just feeling afraid. Like I hated that feeling. So I avoided it my entire life. I always stayed in my comfort zone. And, and yeah, so I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. And I knew that the third part of the class assignment at SVA was to create a 100-day project of our choice. So it was not my idea to do a 100-day project. It was my idea to do it about fear because while most of my classmates were doing something related to branding in some way or form because that was the program um, I decided to do something more personal that could impact my personal life and then obviously my career and so that's when I decided to face 100 fears because I was like if fear is the one thing that is holding me back I need to do something about it every business whether or not they realize it is an idea business the people at Gray have a long history of creating famously effective ideas. And so, with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creative minds from all corners of life how they came up with their best ideas. And that's what matters for Gray Matter. Hi, everyone. I'm John Petrolis, Worldwide Chief Creative Officer at Gray. For this episode of Gray Matter, we have strategy director Carol Chang interviewing Michelle Poehler, keynote speaker, fear facer, and founder of Hello Fears. What started out as a personal project turned into a lifetime career for Michelle. In 2015, she decided to embrace the unknown and spend 100 days conquering her greatest fears. From holding scorpions to skydiving to quitting her job, Michelle faced it all, finishing with one of her greatest fears, public speaking at a TED Talk. Once she was finished with 100 Days Without Fear, her husband encouraged her to continue to build on what she had started. Michelle was inspiring her followers and fans every day, and they wanted more, so she founded Hello Fears. Today, we'll hear from Michelle about how her journey taught her that we should all be a little more self-centered, how people you don't even know can make you feel the most empowered, and how leaving your comfort zone to tap into your full potential can change your life. This is Michelle Poehler. Well, for my entire, not my entire life, that's a lie, but since I started dating Adam, he could see that I was a fearful person, like more than normal, and that I would allow my fears to get in the way of life most of the time. So um, he's always asked me, like, Michelle, I'm tired of you being this fearful person, and I'm afraid that when we have kids together, you know, you're going to teach them to be just like you. I don't want my kids to be fearful. I want them to be brave. But how on earth are you going to teach them courage if you have no idea what that means? And so I always had that pressure that I knew he wanted to be married to a braver wife. Mm -hmm. And then um, so when I had this idea to face my my fears in this way, like one after the other, he was the first one that supported me. And he was like, police, yes, let's do this. Like he got so excited and he was like, you know, we'll do whatever it takes for you to do this project and I'm going to do it with you, you know, I'll help you in any way that I can. And so that was really good because he was there supporting me all the way mm -hmm. 
since the first moment. So he helped me plan these fears. He was the one calling um, all these places to make arrangements to make sure that, you know, they know that I'm going and everything. And because I was also working full time at the same time that I was facing my fears and I was doing my master's in branding at night. So it was like I had a lot of things on my plate and I really needed that help. Mm -hmm. So I think that this project was like uh, 50-50. Like it was him planning, me facing fears, and he also joined me on most of the adventures. Um, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I feel like he's very much set the standard for, for, <laughs> for, for a lot of husbands and men yes. out there. Um, good, so good for him. I mean, that's great that you had that kind of support. How long from when you first had the idea to when it was fully brought to life? I think it was very fast. I think maybe two weeks at most. Since the moment I said I'm going to face 100 fears till the day that I started. And in those days, what I did is I started writing my list and planning things out. And I thought that was going to be easy because I was like, ah, I've been avoiding fear my entire life. So, of course, I have 100. But when I started writing them down, I realized I only had 20. And so I was like, okay, what happens now? And what I did is I went to Facebook and I started a conversation there. And I was like, hey, people, can you add? And this was 2015, okay? So that was like the main social media that we were using at the time. Um, And I I had no followers or anything. I was like literally no one. So I just had my friends and family um, on Facebook. And I asked them to give me ideas to face my fears. And so I had about 60 comments in there with lists of ideas and that's how I was able to grow my list and it was like pretty big uh, just you know before even starting the the project I had all these ideas thanks to that. Um, so where would you say that the courage came from where did that drive come from to actually make this happen? I think it was from a place of wanting to live my life to be more present because what happens is that I realized I was a very like always trying to be in control of everything and when you're trying to control everything that happens to you you forget to live and I was like I want to start living my life I want to I want to like feel present Mm -hmm. and I think that was my main motivation because I realized all of the things that I missed out for example I never went backpacking through Europe with my friends they all went without me because I was too afraid to embark on that crazy adventure or there's so many I never studied abroad I never went to camp when I was little so I was like I think I have to make it up for all these years that I've been just living here instead of my tiny comfort zone right so I'd love for you to get into exactly what happened you know you have 100 days without fear then what yes so that's the question I started getting when I was about to be over with a project right because I already faced 100 fears and people started asking the same thing they were like uh, now what? And I'm like, I have no idea. I only planned this far. All right. I only <laughs> plan to face 100 fears. And I already quit my job in advertising by that point on YouTube. So maybe they don't want me back there. <laughs> yeah, I published my letter and everything. So um, but I thought about just knocking on other companies doors and maybe applying to jobs at like BuzzFeed or Instagram or Google or like a big company here in New York. And then Adam was the one who said, hey, Michelle, I think that you should continue building what you started because people really want to 
they want more out of you, you know, because my followers at that point, I had like thousands of people watching and they were worried that the project was going to be over because they were like, you're inspiring me on the day to day. Please don't go back to working at a full time job. You know, Mm -hmm. we want more, more of you. And so he's the one that suggested, what if um, we explore speaking at, you know, companies and, and schools and Um, associations, you know, events in general, so you can spread this message, because I did the TEDx talk, and that went really well, like, that happened, like, maybe a day prior to this conversation, right, because that was day 100, so speaking at TEDx, I didn't say that, but speaking at TEDx was my fear number 100th, Mm -hmm. and after that, it went so well, that he was like, what if we turn this 15-minute talk into 45-minute talk, and we start pitching that to companies, and then that was what happened so very easily uh we started my first client actually was google so my friend that works at google reached out she's like can you please come and give that tedx talk but it, make it longer and and talk about that here at google and and i'll make the whole event happen and so mm-hmm. she took care of it um we made it happen and then from there i started speaking at facebook at Netflix, um, all of these big companies. And we started getting attention from speaking bureaus and they started referring me. And suddenly we built a whole business around a message. And then even Adam was able to quit his job in finance to join me full time on this. And we've been doing it for the last three years. That's so inspiring. Um, Who would you say were your biggest supporters throughout this journey? Well, I would say that they say this is funny because they say that your biggest supporters are your followers people you don't know and i have to say that's true because not even my friend like my friends of course were there and they were supportive and my parents and all of that but i felt like the people that started following the project they got so involved in this that day after day after day they were there supporting me and and expecting you know for me to go and face more fears and and give them the encouragement that they were looking for so I felt really really empowered by my followers and that's why I decided to build a community around it so it went from a personal project called 100 days without fear into now a movement called hello fears that involves way more people. It's not about me. It's not about a project. You know, it's just a lifestyle. That's how I see it. And I've been lucky enough to develop a community on Instagram mainly about around this message of daily courage. And so I, I, I have to say that I feel extremely lucky that I have this community and they're so supportive. I feel like I know them. They for sure feel like they know me. <laughs> and and it, I think it's a wonderful thing to have. What about the critics? What about the naysayers? I know you mentioned it a little bit, but, you know, tell me a little bit more about, like, who were your biggest critics? Critics? Like, haters? Sure, yeah. So, I feel like, well, when the project went viral, of course, it had so many negative comments. So it had so many positive, like most of them were positive, but still it was hard to ignore the negative comments. And people, as I was telling you before, were saying things like, you know, these are things I do on my day to day. This girl just wants attention, you know, or, or talking about privilege without even knowing me and that I'm not even from here, you know, um, or that I was working full time. They, they were saying things like, it would be nice to not have a job and have all the money in the world to do these kinds of things. And I'm like, that's like, so not the case. 
ways. <laughs> um, but yeah, people started criticizing it. And there are a few ways that you can look at this. One is, and that's what helped me at the time. I'm like, okay, so I'm out there. I'm facing my fears. I'm clearly creating an impact on so many people that have been writing message thanking me for what I'm doing. What are you doing? Sitting on your couch, <laughs> commenting, you know, leaving negative comments on Facebook. That's a little bit sad. So when you think about it this way, you create like some distance between you mm-hmm. and the person that is making the comment or the comment itself. And then you, it's easier to get over that because you're like, what is that person doing? You know, who are you impacting? person you know (laughs) right yeah so that's one way and the other way that I look at it is that we can't ignore criticism I think that we have to take advantage of criticism and use it you know um, as fuel so that's what I do every time that I hear someone criticizing what I'm doing more than ever I want to continue and I want to double down on myself and and also I want to improve because as I was telling you once I heard those comments of these are not real fears I do these things on my day-to-day that's what triggered me to face bigger fears so I have to say thank you haters because they actually gave me that motivation to go after bigger things and that's what got me where I am so yeah I think that was helpful <laughs> good for you I mean that is like I'm gonna write that down I'm yeah. gonna use that I'm gonna use that I need to you need to use all the hate and right. fuel that you know right. you know and so that you can move forward and never 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 allow criticism to define you like only you get to define yourself absolutely amen <laughs> um um what was the single moment where you knew this was going to be something big well i think that the single moment that's a great question it's when so i started posting these videos every single day and they were getting about 50 to 100 views maybe from friends and family and then i started receiving messages from for example, college friends that I lost contact with for years. And then they're like, hey, Michelle, actually, your project inspired me to ask for a promotion at work. And other person would say, hey, Michelle, I, I feel like I'm being braver on my day to day because of your project. Those comments made me realize that there was something bigger here. And I was like, if this was able, if I was able to inspire these two people, the very random to me, you know, and they only follow me because they know me from somewhere. If I was able to inspire them, I think this has the potential to inspire thousands or millions. And so at that point, I started thinking bigger and suddenly I have no idea how it happened, but that's when the project went viral. So a few days after that realization that I had, the uh, Daily Mail um, emailed me and they were like, hey, Michelle, can we put your project on our website? And I was like, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and that's how it happened. Right. And, and yeah, that was the single moment. I love that you said that. That's so authentic. Honestly, I, I think, I thought you were going to say when it went viral, when mm-hmm. when people started to rally around this. But the idea that it, it really uh, became something larger for you was really when it, it, it you know, impacted individuals. And that's that's honest. That's and I think and I can see why you have such a great following. Um, I, I mean, I have to say, wow, like this time that we've spent together, I already feel like I've learned so much. Um, Like I have so many things I need to write down because I think that's wonderful advice for not only myself, but you know, so many other people. What was the best advice that you've ever been given or, or you've been given along the way? 
Wow, that's a tough question. I wish I thought about it before. <laughs> Not the to put you on the spot. <laughs> advice. And who gave you that advice? Well, I think that the best advice that I've received is when I was little and I had to start wearing glasses when I was seven years old and I hated them. I hated my glasses and I started hating myself because of it. My mom told me that I am the same person with or without glasses. And she even made me see that me being the only one with glasses at my class, because we were very little and no one else had glasses, just me, was something positive. Because I was looking at it as something negative, right? Like I'm different. Mm -hmm. And then she made me realize that being different can be good it doesn't have to be bad and I learned that from her and I started always trying to differentiate myself so I think that that authenticity part that mm -hmm. I come with um, has been with me since I was very little and it is the one thing that helps me stand out and and I think I'm very appreciative of, of that advice I love your glasses by the way Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay so what about I know, going back to, I hate to go back to the negative, but what was the the worst criticism of your idea and at what point did you receive it? Last week. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, this happened last week. Yeah. I'm not used to receiving criticism. Like when the project went viral, of course it happened. Like it was too much attention from the media and too many haters all over the world commenting. But then that went away and I feel like I have a really nice community where they're all so supportive and whenever they see something about me that they're not in agreement with they tell me about it in a very respectful way and they're like Michelle you talked about this topic but you know I don't think you're right and mm -hmm. then I'm like oh thank you for telling me and I'm very open about that but last week I received a really mean review on my podcast and I have 200 reviews are all perfect um, you know <laughs> five stars and they're all this is the best podcast ever and whatever and then this person gives me two stars and comments something like um, this is a podcast of self-centered people and then and, and then directly to me said Michelle is all about me 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 she's extremely self-centered and all of her plans don't even include her husband and then something like Adam should find a more mature wife And first we were laughing, like, ha, ha, so funny. But then it was not funny. Like, I kept thinking about that comment. And I started asking myself, am I self-centered? Because maybe I am. Maybe there is some truth to this comment, you know? And I started being defined by the comment. And I just told you, do not be defined by haters. So I started not following my advice and being defined by this person that clearly wanted to hurt us. Because this is not like, hey guys, I think you should be more of this or less self-centered. It's someone that wants to clearly hurt us that left the comment there. And And for days, I was thinking about that comment, even on my birthday, like four days ago, I was like still depressed, like, oh my God, what? Am And then what I realized is that maybe we are all giving a bad reputation to the word self-centered. And what I think is that we all should be a little bit more self-centered in order to prioritize ourselves and then get to we actually want to go in life, because that's what I've done. 
I've been very, you know, selfish about my time and my goals. And that's what got me where I am. So I think it's all about flipping it around and mm -hmm. owning maybe who you are, but in a positive way. Well, it's also a difference between selfish or self-centered and self-aware mm -hmm. and really exploring who you are. And I think you have learned to do that. And I think that's, I mean... Perhaps they just didn't understand the message. <laughs> you do have a segment in your um, YouTube channel um, called Dear Younger Self. So if you could go back to day one, what would you have done differently? So I think that the one advice I would give people that they want to do a 100-day project without fear, right? Like they want to face their fears is don't do this necessarily as a project and don't do it every single day. I would say take the time. If you want to face 100 fears, take the time to do it in a way that is meaningful. Because, because I was so rushed to do one fear a day, sometimes I would do anything, like even a really, really, really dumb, small thing, just because I had to do something that day. Right. And towards the end of the project, like the last 30 fears, I started being more mindful of that. And I said, you know what, I don't care if this goes over 100 days, I'm going to now take the time to face 30, the last 30 fears, you know, in a way that I feel I'm growing every single day even if I'm not facing one fear after the other. So this project actually took longer than 100 days because of that. And I started facing my biggest fears towards the end. So I think that if I would have to go back, tell something to my younger self on day one is don't rush it. Don't try to just do it in 100 days. Take your time. It will have, you know, more meaning at the end. Well, that brings me to my, my last question. Where do you see the idea in five years? Hello, fears in five years. I see this more of a global movement. Right now, it's growing a lot in the U.S. because that's where I am. And I'm giving talks every single day, basically. I'm, I'm giving about 70 talks a year now. Um, but I want this to grow bigger than this country and maybe uh, expand to Latin America and Europe and even Asia. So um, that's my goal too. My, my one purpose is to make the world a braver place. And to make the world, I need to expand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, get it, girl. Go global. I'm, I'm right. here. I'm supporting you. Um, thank you so much for coming in. This was super insightful, not only for me, for me but I'm sure um, everyone listening in. I've had such a great time. Thank, Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. My <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> Carol, thanks so much for this. So how do you feel walking away from this discussion? Honestly, she's like a walking self-help book. She's like full of energy, full of positivity. It's super refreshing to see. Honestly, I feel like in this city, in this industry, in advertising, we can all get so, so cynical. Mm. Um, and put our walls up. Mm. And she's like the complete opposite. She is just full of optimism. She's raw. She's authentic and like really vulnerable. And I feel like her leaning into her vulnerability, it's the reason why she's become such a success. It's, you know, it's the reason why she has so many people rallying against her and, and you know, for her and for her idea. And it's really, really encouraging to see. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think we can all learn from Michelle's journey to help make meaningful change in all of our lives. So where should we go for more information? So, <laughs> so Michelle calls HelloFears.com your daily dose of courage. Go there or follow at HelloFears on Instagram for more.
All right, thank you, Carol. And thank you all for listening to Gray Matter. For more from founders, creators, and inventors and how they thought up their ideas, be sure to subscribe to Gray Matter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate and review and tell your friends and follow Gray's social pages for more information about Gray and new upcoming podcast episodes. Thanks all for listening to Gray Matter. Gray Matter is hosted by John Petrulis, produced by Graham Nolan, Christina Torres, and Joey Scarillo. Mixed at Townhouse Studios. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.